the stranger, the strange ones up here that you may not recognize. Uh, they've uh, come on to help and assist in our worship ministry. They're friends of ours from uh, Williston, and we did ministry with them for a few years. Um, when I was on staff in Williston, they were worship pastors there. And so just with the, um, the way our worship team is going, we have asked them to come on for uh, several months, a few months. We'll kind of see how it goes, but at least, you know, four or five months here. They won't, may not be here every single Sunday, but um, just to invest in our worship team. They're not replacing anyone. Um, we're not booting anybody out, uh, but we're here to just build up our team, and, um, and so we appreciate their ministry. So if you came in, I heard a couple people asking when I was out in the lobby, so that's who they are, and uh, they're wonderful people, and we encourage you to, you know, they'll be coming on the weekends, and so uh, get to know them, and if you have time um, and, and want to invite them over to your house you know, Saturday evening, Sunday evening, whatever, uh, feel free to. They are great people, and uh, they do love board games. We play board games often with them. So uh, if you're a game person, they love to do that. <laughs> so anyway, so that's who they are, and uh, we're just blessed by their ministry, and it's going uh, very well the last couple weeks. Funny story of... Um, I don't know how you guys and your family do traveling, but our family, uh, I don't use, you know, the word cursed or jinxed or anything like that, but um, whenever we try to plan something fun and a good, nice family trip, something always goes wrong. And, um, you know, uh, most recently, just last week or two weeks ago now, and we were trying to travel to Washington. I was trying to be ahead of the game and get some maintenance done on the car to take it. And it seemed like when you opened up and more stuff became wrong with the car and we weren't even able to drive it to Washington. So we rented a car uh, for that. Another trip that we, we went on uh, was several years ago, but we were in Missouri trying to get to Washington State for Christmas. We always tried to go, I mean, kind of like everybody, go to one family for Thanksgiving, the other family for Christmas. Well, we're, you know, now we're kind of in the middle. Back then we were, Becky's from Missouri, so we're really close to them, but, you know, it's a long drive to Washington State. And uh, it was on Christmas Eve. Ben gets sick, very sick with the flu, a few, literally just a few hours later, somewhere in Montana, I don't even know where it was at, um, close to Bozeman because we had to be towed to Bozeman, but our car, um, the tire just shredded. I'm going 70 miles an hour, and in an instant, the car is shut off, and the tire had shredded, ripped into the engine, and pulled the electrical cords out just in a, I mean, split second, driving, boom oh, my car's off, so I quickly pulled to the road, okay, and because we were in the middle of nowhere on Christmas Eve, I mean, you can imagine how uh, long that took to get anywhere, but anyway, we did make it to Grandma's house by um, midnight, so everything was okay, but um, that wasn't fun. Our worst trip Probably our worst trip ever so far was supposed to be really awesome a few years ago, and 
Becky's family, uh, we were all planning to go on a Disney cruise, and uh, we just had to get to Galveston, Texas. If you've been to Galveston, it's like the furthest straight south of here uh, that you can be. Um, we had it lined up on how to get there, um, but um, everything else happened in between. And man, if we were creative, we could make a movie out of this adventure. And thankfully, uh, we made it onto the cruise ship and were able to enjoy the cruise. But getting there, we had a blizzard in Bismarck and we're sitting in the airport. Some flights had been canceled and... Um, I'm not a huge risk taker, but I'm glad the pilot was. He decided we're going to go. We're going we're gonna to get there. And so despite, you know, everything, we were late, but he, he took off and we did land safely. But then there was a tornado in Dallas where we were landing. And so I, oh, well, this is crazy. And so um, the flight from there was delayed and it was like, this is the movie part. So we're sitting in the middle of the night. Our luggage is in, Lord only knows where, in the baggage claim somewhere between here and Dallas. And um, we had a decision to make. And our flight was supposed to go from Dallas to Houston. And we were supposed to get a, you know, a, a shuttle to Galveston. And we were calculating and calculating. And at four o'clock in the morning or something like that we're sleeping in the airport and trying to calculate stuff and we had you know Ben back then Levi that was pre-Levi actually I think Levi was in mommy's tummy at the moment so he was with us but um, but uh, we made the decision that if we rented a car and drove to Houston and left like right I mean it was it had to be perfect timing to get the shuttle the only shuttle the cruise would send out. And so this was just crazy. We make it, um, we make it, and we walk up to the Disney. I don't know if you ever, this is my only experience with a cruise, but there's thousands of people, and we just walk up, I mean, literally in the nick of time. Our baggage was not there, um, but we would rather be on the cruise with the clothes on our back than... <laughs> sitting in Dallas, you know, with a million suitcases, wondering where our clothes are. But Disney was awesome, and they got our baggage and met us, and our baggage got to the first port. So um, Disney worked miracles, but um, that's one of our uh, worst trips. Um, those are kind of the worst ones, but it seems like every time we try to do something as a family, trials and tribulations happen, um, I have this impeccable um, expertise of, of directions and um, sense of direction that, man, whenever we need to figure out if we're supposed to go this way or, or this way, I always pick the wrong one. I'm like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. We were in Orlando, Florida with some youth, and I had to do this turnaround thing. I can't remember how the situation went. And I pull back out onto the street, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure we got it this way. And one of the teenagers is like, do you really, you really honestly think we're supposed to go this way, or are you joking with us? I'm like, oh, I'm just kidding. And so I turned around and go. <laughs> and so I've come to grips that, um, you know, since my wife's not here, I can tell you she's probably better at directions than I have to, but don't tell her that, okay? 
So anyway, trials and tribulations when it comes to traveling, we just, we just calculate that in to our plans now. <laughs> no. I had a pretty easy life growing up. I've kind of told you some of my, uh, how, I, how I grew up and where we grew up and stuff like that. But, you know, when we get older, there's a thing called adulting nowadays. And, and that happened, and I began to realize what the real world was. And um, I learned that if I wanted to eat and if I wanted a roof over my head, then I would probably need to get a, a job to have some sort of a way to earn uh, the money in order to survive, right? And that began this uh, vicious cycle of going to work, coming home, eating, sleeping, waking up the next day. And in order to do that again, I'd have to go to work again and get home and sleep and eat. And this vicious cycle of uh, survival that if we want to um, live and have those things like food is good and shelter is good, right? And we have to have some sort of an income. And this is uh, a cycle that's over and over and I see heads nodding that I think we're all uh, in agreement of, of this cycle. It sounds really exciting for you teenagers. You have a lot to look forward to, I know. But uh, once I sought the Lord and I thought, if I get a job that's really exciting and really something I love, then, you know, life will be easy and I'll look forward to waking up in the morning and working hard and spending money on the home and the food. So as I sought the Lord and he calls me into ministry and working with the churches and uh, with Christians and telling people about Jesus, all those exciting things that, man, life is going to be fun and I have a purpose now uh, to this vicious cycle, right? And then life happens, <laughs> I feel like when I'm serving the Lord and I'm, I'm working in a church that um, working with pastors and working with Christians that, man, everything is going to be perfect and, and go so well. But did you know that pastors don't always get along with one another? I don't know if you've uh, experienced that or, or maybe not experienced but viewed that. Did you know that um, Christians... Okay, when I wrote this on my note, I told myself, just look above everyone. So I'm not looking at any of you, okay? Okay, I'm looking at the clock. But did you know that Christians uh, don't always get along? I don't know if you've experienced that, okay? One shocker to me was that some people don't want to hear the good news of what Jesus has done for them. And that when I would think, man, I have this great hope for you, this, you know, this great God that loves you. Some people don't want to hear that. And they're actually, I've been in some workplaces where they're actually quite the opposite, and they want to pull Christians away from the Lord, and uh, their goal would be, oh, this is a church guy. 
let's get him drunk or let's get him to do this or to do that. Some people will not listen to the truth that you have. Even if you're presenting it in a, in a loving way, you're not like, you know, if we're attacking them, okay, I can see where maybe someone might not want to listen to that. But if we're telling others in, in, a, in a good, you know, calm, whatever, gentle manner, some people still don't want to hear it. Some will uh, stereotype all pastors to be just like the one that treated them poorly 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And they kind of generalize that any uh, person with the title of minister, pastor, priest, anything like that is probably um, going to be the same, treat them the same way. But probably the biggest reality check that I had is, is that I, a believer in Jesus, and a minister for him would go through trials and tribulations and tests that I thought I would be exempt from as a child of God and, and as a minister for him. I thought, well, Pastor Shirley's not going to have to go through that, right? I mean, we're one of God's favorite, even though we just talked about Israel is God's favorite and the Jews are God's favorite. But I thought maybe pastors would be, you know, maybe the next one. No, no. None of us are exempt from the trials and tribulations of life. Sometimes uh, there's a saying that life comes at you like a curveball. And we think when a curveball is coming at us, I think what they're trying to get to say is that we uh, didn't, something didn't go the way that we wanted it to. Other times I feel like it's more like dodgeball where you have 18 different balls coming at you, right? 18 different things coming and stuff just keeps piling up and, and hurts more and more. And I've gone through this dialogue with you the last few minutes from a pastor's standpoint because that's who I am. Um, but I guarantee that you, being who you are and what you've gone through, have related to it. You've gone through trials and, and struggles and tests of your own life has not been fair to you either. Why? Why? Why do we go through sufferings? Why, as Christians, is our faith tested? Why do we go through storms of life? These trials, these tribulations, I keep using the word because that's the, what it's titled, but these testings, these sufferings, these storms, why? What, what, what do they come like? Well, let's talk through some of the uh, different ways that um, these things may come up. They could be small, daily irritations, but they also may be severe afflictions, um, attacks. It could be uh, physically in our, in our body or harm to our body through illness, disease, or death, um, car accidents, work accidents. So it could be uh, physical trials or, or tribulations. It could be relational. 
ending of friendships or marriages, Christians and even pastor. I have pastor friends who are getting divorced at a high rate. That will rock your faith. It will shake the faith of the children and the family. Abuses in the church are way too prevalent. If you look at some of our main mainstream denominations that are going through, um, man, just so much of it that um, there's so much uh, abuse that has happened and that's way, way too prevalent. Imagine what's happening or happened to the faith of the person that was abused in those circumstances. Some of these trials and testings can be theological, being criticized for your faith. Politics in America is testing our faith. Your friends and and your families or your co-workers, they may question your stance on some of the big issues in the world today. We're blessed to live in the United States where we have the freedom of religion, but as long we have that freedom, as long as that doesn't spill over into the secular uh, world and stop them from being able uh, to do what they want to do, they don't want our moral influence to uh, stop their freedoms. I guess if you understand what I'm trying to say. And another way is economical trials and, and tribulations. Money causes a lot of problems. A job loss or a sudden massive bill um, can, uh, is a major trial that can shake our faith. But what also um, can shake our faith is being successful with money. And you're seeing like, oh, well, I have uh, a lot of it. I'm doing well. And we can fall into the mindset that, and we don't really need God because we've, uh, we're pretty well set and we've done this. Um, I've kind of seen both sides, that the love of money is the root of all evil, the Bible says. If we don't have money, we want it. When we get it, if we do have it, we want more. And when we get more, we want more, okay? And so we, sh- we have some of these trials of not just poor people that have tribulations because they don't have money. But because we do have money, then we're tempted and, and can fall into more tribulations because of that. Am I missing Anything, and I'm, I'm truly asking you this question right now so you can verbalize it. Am I missing anything that represents a trial or a test uh, or, or a shaking of our faith? I tried to get several categories there, but maybe in your uh, processing this moment, have you thought of any that I left out? Yeah. What? Yeah. Health. What? Death. Death. Health. Mm-hmm. Addiction. Addiction, yeah, yeah. So we have these things in our life, and 
I'm going to begin a, a series here for a few weeks about how do we uh, make it through, how do we keep our faith, how do we withstand all of these things. I want to start out with a, a few very happy verses for you. Um, James 1 tells us to consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Wow. Ooh, we're going to get a lot of trials. Romans 5.3, not only so, but we also glory or exalt uh, in our sufferings. Oh, so we're, we're going to go through sufferings and we're supposed to be happy about it and exalting about it. And 1 Peter 1.6, in this you greatly rejoice, you have been distressed by various trials. Wow. So three uh, very awesome uh, men of God wrote those. James, uh, Paul wrote Romans, and, and Peter. These are three different authors, and they tell us not only to expect to go through um, some testings and sufferings, but to do so in joy. Whoa. Today, to start us off on this series, I want to try to answer the why question. And I want to look at a person in the Bible who went through a lot. A lot of storms, uh, literally, literal storms, and metaphorically. You may be thinking, oh, we're going to talk about Jesus or Lot. You're, you're close. We'll probably talk, or not Lot, sorry, Job. Job went through a lot. But... We'll probably use his example later. Today I wanted to tell you about a guy who's a man's man, who's tough as nails, who went through a lot of things for his faith. He, he once survived an earthquake and the walls fell in and he survived and those with him. One time he was picking up a pile of sticks at a campfire and when he picked up the sticks, a viper snake rages up and strikes his arm and he shakes it off. And the people around are like, this guy's either a demon because the snake is attacking him and he shakes it off, but then, you know, a couple hours go by and he's still living. So then he thinks, oh, this must be a god that he's surviving. No, it, Neither, neither of those. It's actually Paul that I'm talking about, who is a great man of God. Would you turn with me to Acts 27? I'm going to try to go through this story quickly for you because there's some good stuff um, that we can learn from it. But I thought as you're turning there to Acts, it's after John. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts in the New Testament. Paul wrote uh, in 2 Corinthians, so he's writing a letter to the Corinthians just to tell you uh, what all Paul went through real quick here. He writes to the Corinthians as um, he's listing these to validate himself as an apostle. Some of them, if you know Paul, he was actually the opposite of a Christian. He was killing Christians before uh, uh, he, God saved him and called him to serve the Lord. And, and so in this instant, he's telling us, 2 Corinthians 11, he says, I've, I've worked much harder than the other apostles. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged, that means beaten severely. 
I've been exposed to death again and again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one, so the 39 whips of the tail like Jesus uh, endured. Uh, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, uh, in danger from false believers. I've labored and I've toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and unclothed besides Everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul wrote many of the letters to the churches, and he was kind of overseeing them with the other apostles. So Paul, who were our stories about today, has endured a lot for his faith. When he's put in prison, it's because they're trying to get him to stop preaching about Jesus. When they beat him and whipped him and flogged him and stoned him is trying to get him to stop but he wouldn't do it in acts 27 at this time paul's a prisoner and they would do things you know a little bit different back then and they're trying to take him uh he's on a province of asia i didn't measure how many miles but they're sentencing him to go to rome and so this is a long trip And they put a centurion guard uh, to watch over Paul. And there's other prisoners on this ship with him, and they each have a guard with them too. And so um, Paul writes uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon all while he's a prisoner. So he's not stopping uh, whatever, this, whatever trials and tribulations come up, he still is going uh, and doing what God is calling him to do. And we can learn a great lesson from him in this story. God had a greater purpose for Paul on this trip. Their plan was, we're going to take him to Rome. So he's going to stand before Caesar. Okay? But God had a better purpose Uh, for him he had a bigger plan there's hundreds of people on this ship later on in the story uh, Luke tells us uh, there's 273 I believe is the number so Luke is writing this story Luke is with Paul um, but Luke's not a prisoner he's just on the ship um, going and they're doing ministry in the ports when they stop it's just a um, if you love adventure read the book of Acts. Um, a lot of times we, we just think, well, Acts is where the Holy Spirit uh, you know, came on the people in the first few chapters. But when you read, just read past that, how the early church gets started and how they go on missionary journeys. Luke writes this story very detailed. Um, if you love ships, you probably understand some of what the wording is that, that he uses. And so it's fascinating um, the detail that um, Luke brings out. So I'm going to read a, a large chunk of it. 
and kind of hurry through this. So we're in Acts chapter 27, starting at verse 13. Luke writes, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, and so they weighed anchor, and they sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm, and it could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it, and we were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kata, Akota, I'm not sure, uh, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. And then they passed ropes under the ship itself, this large ship, uh, to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and they let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and he said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Let me pause there. Paul's a man's man. (laughs) He's saying, I told you so. You shouldn't have done this. And now look what it got us to. Okay. All right. I just had to throw that in there. Then you uh, would have spared yourself from this damage and loss. But now I, I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, get this, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep your courage, men, Paul says. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So Paul is saying, I have a purpose. God told me I'm going to speak there. So we're going to make it safe. When just before that, they said, Luke said, we had finally, we had gave up all hope of being saved. Verse 27, on the 14th night, We were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. And fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern And they prayed for daylight. Your Bible might say they wished for the day to come. In an attempt to escape from the ships, sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul uh, says to his centurion uh, and and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you're not going to be saved. And the soldiers go over and they cut the rope 
and they drop the, uh, the boat and, and it drifts away. Just before dawn, Paul urges them all to eat. He speaks again, he says, for the last 14 days. You have been in constant suspense and you've gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. And they were all encouraged. They ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. They hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. Their ship, if you can't get the picture, is destroyed. The soldiers planned to to kill every prisoner so they wouldn't escape. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life, and he kept them from carrying out their plan. Instead, he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard and and, uh, get to the land. The rest were to get there on planks or, or other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. If you can picture the ship is destroyed, those who can swim are swimming, those who can't are just floating on planks, and they all make it. If I was in that situation, I probably would have been more like Luke that said, everybody had lost hope, right? Uh, But Paul uh, had a different mindset. He knew that he was called to Rome. This is actually towards the end of Acts chapter, uh, of the book of Acts even. When they get to the shore and they go up to the, the people there, they weren't really you know, planning to go there, but the people were very welcoming. That's where Paul was. Those were the people that saw him get bit by a, a snake. He heals one of the leaders of it. Um, he heals their, one of their relatives. And, and so he's doing ministry. He's doing ministry despite everything they just went through in this three-week journey to get there. He could have given up. All the times that we, all the things that we listed, he went through. And he, he could have just stopped. I'd say, you know what, I think I'm safer if I just hang out in Greece or, you know, whatever big city there. And man, I, you know, this serving God thing is way too difficult and risky. I, um, no, I can't do that. He could have quit many times, but there's an important lesson from him that, We'll wrap up with, remember the three verses that I quoted earlier about how we will all go through trials. They each 
end like this. Romans 5 is actually Paul writing. I should have, I should have paused. I, when he wrote the list of his sufferings in, in Corinthians there, he was barely, he was just past halfway of his ministry when he makes that list. So you could add to his list about uh, 11, 12 more years of suffering and things, okay? So he writes this, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Go to the next one. James 1 is the, is the verse that says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish or complete its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Powerful verse. Last one, uh, what Peter wrote. In this you greatly rejoice. You have been distressed by various trials. You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, the proven testing of your faith, of, which, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. Friends, when, when you go through trials and you go through testing, you must persevere. You have to keep going. You can't give up. Perseverance will produce in you character and hope. Once perseverance finishes its work and is made complete in you, you'll be mature of greater worth than gold. A refiner's fire is, is used to burn all the impurities out of the gold. Perseverance through trials works the same way. In the end, you will come away worth more than gold if you'll persevere, if you'll keep going, not give up. Worship team, if you would come, we'll close with this. Paul, as clever as, as can be, I love him as an author, he uses a familiar analogy when he's encouraging Timothy to keep the faith. He tells Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, uh, 18 and 19, he tells Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, so I should pause there, you need to recall the promises of God that uh, God has uh, spoken to you through his word. Remember those things when you're fighting the battle, when you're going through life, when you're struggling with your faith, remember and do uh, recall those things. So, Timothy says, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on 
to faith and good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Paul has been through four shipwrecks in his life and he uses that analogy to say don't let these tribulations these trials shipwreck your faith persevere persevere would you stand with me more importantly uh, than the question why do we go through these things is is how how do we keep our faith in these times In the next two Sundays, we're going to hear from uh, two people of our own. Uh, Next week, Mark Edinger is going to share. Um, You can pray for him today. He didn't sleep at all last night, so he couldn't make it this morning. But I asked him if he would share of how he's got to the point in his um, life with cancer where his faith is strong and, and he's with the Lord and and going to be with him no matter what the circumstance or outcome. The following Sunday, the 12th, November 12th, uh, we're going to hear from George Top about um, the book that he wrote several years ago of, of just a, a, a miracle that took place in his life that really um, got his faith uh, stronger with the Lord. And I, wanna, I, I want you to hear from people and testimonies of guys just like you so we don't have to say well you know Paul (laughs) I mean that guy was amazing I'm not Paul yeah I realize that I I didn't talk about Jesus because I thought Paul is more human like we are he had struggles God didn't answer his prayers sometimes he went through so much we can see his example of perseverance Whatever you're going through today, don't let it knock you off of the race. Don't let it knock you off of your faith. As we close in this song, would you just uh, pray to the Lord about this? Where are you at in your relationship with God and where are you at in your faith? I'd love to pray with you if you'd come forward. I'd love to pray with you about this or anything, literally. If you have anything you'd like prayer about, Please come forward. Heavenly Father, God, I just love you, Lord. We thank you, God, for these uh, great examples of faith. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us as we examine our heart today. Where are we at in our faith with you, Lord, and our relationship with you, God? Sometimes the trials and the testing and the tribulations of life can really make it hard to keep our faith. Lord, but would you speak to each person right now? God, and would you help them that when we leave this place, we would be encouraged that we would persevere and that our perseverance would bring hope and maturity in you and we'd see that come to fruition, God. Friends, would you just sing and spend this moment with the Lord